0: Hello, and welcome back to the Dan Sons podcast. I'm one year older at 31, Matt's still handsome, and George is looking pretty sharp today, if I must admit. Uh, I guess that's different than the usual. A button-up shirt.
1: He's stunning. Hair combed over.
0: Yeah, his hair's combed over. His beard looks pretty trim. I feel like he's slightly returning back to normal. He has on the outline, first post-COVID restaurant meal was real weird. But I'm imagining his dress and presentation
2: is a spin-off of getting back to normality. It's funny that you do mention it. I did wear a button-up shirt today. And the damnedest thing is that I don't plan on going anywhere or doing anything. It just...
1: Sometimes you just got to dress up and
2: stay home, you know. Sometimes you've just got to impress yourself. Yeah, man. And I think it's been a good year and a half since I've ever felt the temptation or the need or the necessity to wear something that requires more than one layer at home, inside. Go a step further. Put a little makeup on. (laughs) (laughs) Wear a dress. Who knows?
0: Mm -hmm. Whatever floats your boat. You might be different people now.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if it's quite that drastic, but I do feel a little more chipper and, and energetic with the change in the the weather and the seasonality and the the normality.
0: Well, that's good. I'm a year older now, and since last week, and my bones are
2: creaking. So,
1: <laughs> oh, that's when it starts. Got to get back
2: to working out again.
0: I have been like getting back out there and stuff recently, especially having some leg issues. Just, you know, from sitting at a goddamn desk all the time. So it does feel like that thing. But, you know, I don't know about you guys, but 31 sounds like such a lame age. Like 32? Fine. 30? It's a turning point, right? But 31 and 33. I feel like 33 is the worst one. But 31 just seems like such a a mediocre bridging gap. How is that determined? (laughs) I don't know. It just feels that way. I mean, I'm well into the 30s now, I guess.
2: We are... No, if you're only one, you still got some...
0: Yeah, but I'm not... You know, even when you're 30, it's like you're only just done with your 20s, you know? And then you hit 31 and you're like, oh, wait. You're in there. I am in there. Yeah. And then soon enough, I'll be 35, and then it'll be like...
1: Oh, it's all over.
0: Yeah, I'm star- staring down the barrel of 40. And then that is like truly like, oh, I can't get away with anything anymore.
1: I'm an adult. I'm a goddamn tax paying adult. You're halfway through your life.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Only halfway? Oh. <laughs> I feel like that's an optimistic
0: way to look at it. I think I've lived half of my life now, which means I would die at 62, which is arguably not great. You know, 31 years does feel like a fairly long time. If I make it a 62 and the world is in some form of decent state at that point, I'll be happy. I'll be chuffed.
2: Fat chance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely noticed when I hit the 30s that noticing that you were older than most of the characters you see in media, really, it does ever so slightly change your frame of reference. I think we were talking about that
0: recently, weren't we? And I think the one, it's like sports stars for me. When they have like veteran sports stars and like you've been a part of the team for 10 years you know you're the veteran of the squad and they're like yes i am i'm 26 years old now and you're like what the fuck you are not a veteran of anything god damn it
2: they saw it through thick and thin they've been there since the beginning the rest of us can't compete with that much years of experience on someone's wisdom and repertoire Twenty six, just top of the game, top of the game, son. Yeah, I don't think people in esports get much older than their thirties, too. Yeah, have you guys seen anyone in esports who doesn't look like a baby? No, they say like people at twenty four are like they've transcended as
0: into like godhood because they lasted so long. It's all downhill from here, friends.
2: All downhill from here.
0: You think it's a little weird, though, because F1 drivers, you still have like two F1 drivers who are like 39 and 40 years old. Really? Isn't that the sport that requires the most reaction
1: time? Man, because it's just driving.
0: It's just driving.
2: The video games just as young people with the snappers.
0: Yeah, I guess it's just young people like video games.
2: <laughs> I thought the thing with the video games was that your reaction time. That your reaction time starts to get worse, and I imagine the same thing would happen to race car driving if it's just driving. It's just driving. It's just driving. <laughs> you also have to like manage your g forces. You know, your insides are slopping around. Your g forces. <laughs> your g forces are very, very hard and high. Can you imagine gamers being blasted with like air that like
0: that delivered g force? <laughs> I would pay to watch that.
2: (laughs) I'm just awaiting to see the next esports stadium have like giant centrifugal catapults shooting the players through the arena. Because then maybe it would be more than, you know, just playing games. If F1 driving is just driving a car, you know.
1: (laughs) You know, you you turn left and then you turn left and then you turn left. (laughs) Sometimes you turn right,
0: Matt. Sometimes you turn right. Oh, yeah? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the
2: toughest part. Under those G-forces, every turn could be your last. It's uh, it, it changes things.
1: Oh, my God. You know, I'm just joking with Formula One, but NASCAR. I don't know. NASCAR might be… I've never been into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get some people saying Formula One is boring, but Formula One has a lot of politics and a lot of like… You can get into the technical of Formula One because it's like watching people bare bones strip something down to its very elements just so they could get like an ounce, like a millisecond, so like shaving bits of a car off to be more aerodynamic. So you can get into like the teams like all doing that kind of thing. But In NASCAR, it's like cars go round, circles. <laughs> it's yeah. great. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: That's the commentary.
0: We can sit in the middle of it and drink beer all day.
1: I mean, that's literally what it is. If anyone has been to a NASCAR, I mean, I haven't been there in years, but... Cars go around. When I've been to a NASCAR place, it's literally those types of people. They sit around in their chairs, and they drink beer, and they yell at the cars as they swing by.
0: Why would you yell at the cars? (laughs) Like, they can hear you.
2: (laughs) So what are the major differences? Like, is there not as much tuning, car constructing, car tweaking side to NASCAR or something? Because I don't know. I'm realizing that I just know that F1 cars are like smaller and speedier and
1: faster. And other than that, I don't know. This is the HDR conversation all over again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can talk a little bit about F1. I think my passion for F1 has bloomed enough for me to actually be versatile enough to talk in it, but I have no idea about NASCAR.
2: Love has blossomed on this battlefield.
0: I think it's everyone have a lot of regulations, but there's a lot of stuff like that, you know, engine suppliers and stuff like that that changes the way those cars work. But everybody has to work in, like, wind tunnels to, like, create body parts that are, like, the most aerodynamic thing in the world. So you can get into that. And there's a lot of politics. It's very rich. It's kind of depressingly rich.
2: Kind of like a class divide to it too, when you compare NASCAR versus F1.
0: Yeah, it's so weird that its it's got to be the only sport in the world where you can only play it if you're rich, yet all of the fans of it are like lower class, middle class people.
2: That's sad. You can only get into it if you're rich. Just another tragedy in the hellscape of our society that we live in.
0: What is the worst sport? Video games. Arguably Link, what do you think is the worst sport? And if you were forced to watch
2: it, you would rather kill yourself. NASCAR. Yeah, I was gonna say smash, but I uh Wow. That's you still salty four years
1: later. There's no way it's Smash, dude. Trust me.
2: Yeah, it could be those card tournaments where everyone had their ass cracks out.
1: Yes, yes, it has to be NASCAR. Or, you know, golf can be kind of boring, but I would rather see a guy, I mean, hit a ball with a little stick and get it inside of a little hole. Absolutely. Oh, so good. That's That takes some skill, you know what I mean? Can
0: I just say, and this is probably going to piss a little bit off, but I think tennis is literally the worst sport
2: in the world.
1: I don't know. I mean, I would be more interested in watching tennis than NASCAR for sure.
2: I went to a eSports screening one time of Counter-Strike, and no one in the crowd took it seriously. They were waving their flags for Arby's and doing Arby's chants and making a big old joke out of the whole production. I don't know if anyone really takes some of these circles seriously in the eSporting world. I mean, as exciting as it is that it's existing, I just find it so incredibly difficult to actually... Is it just me? Are we not allowed to talk about it because we're technically a video game podcast, or...? Well, I disagree because
0: I actually do enjoy watching it. So I think we can transition into the only thing I've really been doing this week. Although there is something I want to preach about that, which is tying into our community. But it's that week where I shut off playing games and I just watch people play games, right? Well,
2: does it count as esports if it's... I don't know. Speedrunning can be somewhat competitive, right? They do. It can, but it's not usually under the label. No, but it's definitely...
0: Getting there, right? Like it's arguably massive. Like you think SGGQ, right? Right now, right? It's like 70,000 people are watching it or something, right? And it's early morning for you guys. So the fact that 70,000 people are watching people play games really fast and i think that the audience is there, right? But yeah, I don't know if it's an
2: eSport, they're definitely competitive. Does speedrunning count as esports? <laughs> Settling this once and for all. Esportsbets.com says speedrunning can never be a traditional esport. There is too much randomness and luck to make it truly competitive. What is a traditional esport? It can, however, be the Olympic Games of esports. <laughs> hey, hold up. Is poker a sport? I think I would qualify poker as a sport if we can have esports. But that's got RNG. There's probably a way to quantify.
0: Matt, you definitely play poker. Is poker like a sport?
1: RNG? I don't know if I've played poker that much, but yeah, RNG is definitely a, a huge part of poker. It's a huge part. A little bit of luck. I would say luck, you know? If a gopher's in the field for football, that's
2: random.
0: There's always random elements, but you do have the foresight of understanding what they are, right? Weather, conditions. It'd be great if, like, NASCAR had, like, a dice roll you had to roll before you started and you lost as many wheels as you rolled.
2: (laughs) A random banana peel on the NASCAR track is random.
0: You have to roll a dice, and the amount equals the amount of things you have to take off your car. But you get to choose that. So you can take, like, your wing mirrors off, your steering wheel, (laughs) Not that you need a steering wheel at NASCAR. You just scrape along the side of the wall and you'll end
1: up around the track. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i've heard people try to say it has to <laughs> carry a risk of bodily injury to count as a sport too but automaticpoker.com says that poker totally counts as a sport because it's played for entertainment it is competitive and almost always requires both physical and mental progress in order to consistently play and win at the highest levels
0: i would argue speed is the same would you not, like you have to train or to execute and one, like if you think about like in some of the speedrunning games, right? One mistake means like a game over and your run's done, right? Mm-hmm. It's like one of the only things where making one mistake could be so fatal. Whereas you know, you throw one wrong dart or you throw one wrong hand in poker, it's not the end.
2: And I think I do want to bring up for point of comparison that racing in any other mediums, be it with the athlete's legs or with an automobile, has never really had a problem being accepted as a sport. That's true. Not that there's any RNG, but yeah. So esportsbets.com says that speedrunning shows off the flaws of a skill-based competitive game in ways that you don't traditionally get with traditional esports. They say most games are not made to be speed runs, and that anticlimactic races are, are more than often what you might get when spectating this activity compared to spectating a uh, sport <clears throat> such as Rainbow Six Siege.
0: Well, I guess one of the only things in speedrunning that possibly doesn't equate to the esport thing is you're not really facing off against anybody else, right? Even if you play, like you're racing, you're not racing in the same conditions because one game cartridge might be more faulty than the other. There might be something wrong with the TV. You're not under like the exact strict same conditions as other people. Whereas if you're playing online and stuff, you should be under the same conditions if you're playing Guilty Gear or Gran Turismo or League of Legends or something, right? So maybe that is one of the only things that I can sort of understand. I'm pretty sure speedrunners don't even want to know be known as esports people anyway.
1: <laughs> this is probably a really dumb discussion. <laughs> I have no idea why you guys are going so
2: long. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a huge can of worms. I just don't know if they want to open that Pandora's box.
0: Well, I'm glad somebody did, because that means we have things like Summer Games Done Quick, which is happening right now, raising money for charity, which means I pretty much stopped playing games all week, because... I'd rather just watch people complete games, which is a dream I have. <laughs> the one day I, too, will finish games. And I can see hundreds of people finish games, including one of our own Discord members, Timo. Timo! Uh, he's going to be doing La Milana. Going to get that world record. By the time everyone hears this, it will have happened.
2: So watch the VOD. That is a surprisingly intimidating one, too. Yeah, talking about like choosing a fucking hard game to play. <laughs> Talking about the inherent difficulties of speedrunning as a competitive medium, I remember that game being a brick wall to climb.
0: Yeah. Well, he said he's going to bring it to its knees. So let's hope he can put his money where his mouth is. Or I should say my money where its mouth is because I'm going to donate during that period of time. So fingers crossed. It's weird. Some of my earliest memories of watching Games Done Quick was like when I was packing up to move to Japan. The fact that I've almost been in Japan for seven years now, and this thing is getting bigger and bigger every year and raising millions of dollars, it's still pretty amazing, right? Like it's no flash in the pan. Like this raises like significant amount of money. Like they're already up to like three hundred and fifty thousand as we're talking. So, you know, hopefully they raise another million or whatever. It's pretty amazing.
2: Those doctors will never have to wait at the border again.
0: George, I don't know about you, but like, what is it, Médecins sans Frontieres, right? Jesus, like the actual charity they support, right? Doctors without Borders. Doesn't that sound like a mega solid like
2: title? Well, that's because you were the military sans frontières. in. Uh... I can't get it out of my head.
0: Every time I look at it, I'm like, yeah, big boss in charge. This money is going. To fuel
2: a rogue state getting armed with nukes so that the AI mommy can come back from the dead to tell her adopted son protege that everything's going to be okay. Even though his Russian fanboy lover is falling in love so deep that he's brainwashing other random people into pretending to be like his lover. With the help
0: of speedrunners, I took over the world. That's a story. That's a Hollywood movie waiting to be written
2: any day now.
0: So, because I haven't been playing games, what have you been doing? How many games have you finished, Matt? If any of of us were going to speedrun, it was you.
1: Maybe next week. (laughs) (laughs) What are you playing? Give us your Midsummer Report. Midsummer Report. I have been somehow diving into Scarlet Nexus.
0: I forgot to ask you about that last week because that seemed like the game you were going to play next.
1: Like it's right up your street. Whoa, whoa, I don't know if anime games are right up my street. Didn't you play Code Vein? I did play Code Vein, which is basically the same shit. same shit, and I didn't finish Code Vein because...
2: Even in screenshots, I this isn't Code Vein. They didn't just change the name. But wait, isn't Scarlet Nexus getting like 10 out of 10 reviews and shit?
1: Oh, it does look a little better than Code Vein. Wait, well, it's definitely better. But wait, it's 10 out of 10. Are you serious?
0: It's getting like 9 out of 10s. So I don't think I... Yeah, I remember reading some of the reviews. Like they were saying that the combat is like platinum-esque levels of
2: good. Oh man, Code Vein could only wish it could be this good.
1: It doesn't feel like platinum, no for a guy who's definitely played platinum games, hasn't played them all. Yeah, it's not platinum. it, it is good. It's just not platinum level. Yeah, there's a certain silkiness to platinum. A certain genese quoi. Yeah, it, like when you jump, there's a little stickiness there. When you're running over like stuff on the ground and you get stuck on it, like it's that's not platinum. Platinum has like a flow to it that Scarlet Nexus is too rigid for. When you're doing combos and stuff, especially with the dodges, you can always tell if the dodge is just too sticky and slow. It's not platinum. (laughs) And this one is definitely slow. But it is cool. Yeah? It's a a variety of hits and misses. It's an anime game. Now that you mention it, I... I mean, it's a full-on anime game, right? It's a full-on anime game. You're getting into this And compared to
2: Code Vein, it it looks a little more roped in and pretty. Like, these anime characters aren't quite grating against the background like I was getting with Code Vein. Like, I don't see dumb gas masks, you know? Oh, shit. It's made by
0: Tose. Literally, their office is about a 10-minute walk from my apartment. It's
1: made here in Kyoto. That's weird. It does the whole thing where you can play as two characters. And if you play both the stories, you get the full story.
0: Oh, wait. How
1: long is each story, though? About 25 hours. Fuck that noise. Yeah. 50 hours? Oh, come on now. I mean, okay. Well, that Nier. Do you remember Nier?
0: (laughs) Yeah, but Nier was like a step above right in storytelling.
1: It had platinum combat. I have no idea. Okay, platinum combat. Okay. It did have that. It did have that. Yes. And the combat, it was good. Definitely better than Scarlet X's. Not to say it's bad. It's just stop platinum remember i was like i was playing it and i was like you know what, let me see what like a review is saying and you know like i watched like one review and it's the igm review and you know he liked it right and i was like okay like i kind of get what he was saying like it's kind of like okay you know and he and he also references platinum and i'm like it's just like the whole dark souls thing like it's like oh souls like souls like souls like it's not that those kids have a certain flow to them as well. Yeah, you're gonna have the same. If you have trouble with just like tropey anime, you're gonna have a problem with this. It takes a while to get like going. You know, like four hours in, and then that's when oh. like, something interesting happens. Yeah, like Do you at
0: least get to fight stuff in those four hours. Yeah, you you fight
1: stuff, and the story is done not in cutscenes, but like a like a moving. Manga, basically.
0: Wait, not even animated?
1: Not even animated. Some of them have animations, but most of it is just like a moving novel. That's what actual animes are like. It's basically anime that you play. I want to enjoy some husband,
2: some house husband, or Thermai Romai. It's motion comics these days. I
1: Yeah. And as a guy who does like his anime, this is not like... The good side of anime. It's not the anime you're like, oh man, I can't wait for the next episode. This is the anime that's like, I'll keep watching it because it's interesting. I just want to see how it ends type of anime. That type of anime with just tropey shit and kind of just half of it is dumb. (laughs) Oh, half of it, half the writing is dumb. I don't know if it's a translation or I don't know, but. What's wrong with Tokyo this time? It's not wrong, Tokyo, man.
2: Well the city's in trouble. There's a ruined apocalyptic city in the background.
1: Oh, so you're getting attacked by others. All right. That's what they call them the others. Yeah. Yeah. Those
0: guys. It's always those damn others. Yeah.
1: You get attacked by the people they don't like. And you have brain power, right? To certain people who have abilities. <laughs> And the whole world is like cyberpunk as well. And the whole brain power thing is just like cybernetics and unlocking your brain and
0: some sort of Alex Jones scam. Like they've been selling Alex Jones
2: brain power pills. What if I told you that in the Tom DeLong, Jacques Vallier UFO conspiracy circle, they do refer to the aliens as the others?
1: I mean, there's not much to say about it because it's like the fighting is cool. They keep giving you different options on how to fight even throughout the four hours. Like just constantly new stuff every time you jump in. There are side quests that are kind of okay. Like you can bond with characters and if you bond with them, meaning talk to them, you do a mission with them, you get an ability with their power. Because you can borrow their power using some type of brain power crap. And that's cool. A lot of it's cool. The upgrades are kind of worth it for sure. It's hard to hate it. It's a decent game. It's just like one of those times when I just wish anime games were better at story. Why can't we have like a Hunter x Hunter or even like My Hero? Like these animes are not like the best stories ever. No, but they're entertaining. And I feel like Scarlet Nexus and fucking... What's the fucking other one that you guys mentioned? <laughs> just Code like, Vein. Code Vein, especially. It's just... Like, the story is just not there. You're just going through the motions. You know? These games would be a lot better if the dialogue wasn't lazy. You know? But yeah, the dialogue is definitely lazy.
0: I think it's a difficult thing because I think the way Pace works in anime, right? I think... In Japan, I think everybody inherently has a understanding of creative pace the Japanese way, right? Like you think about JRPGs, they're slow, they're methodical. Anime is this weird thing where there's so many like filler moments, right? Static screens and stuff that are taken up with like very tropey dialogue that when you spread that out over the course of like long JRPGs and stuff, it doesn't quite work. It's hard to break that formula there are some games, I guess, like a lot of people praise stuff like 13 Sentinels, you know, which is mostly story and stuff. You know, the Persona series as well gets a lot of.
1: Oh, Persona's is comp- way better. It's way fucking better.
0: But they have to lean into it, right? They have to lean into creating those moments. A lot of persona, right, is those moments, right? It's like sitting in the cafe and, like, creating that story moment and story beats. Whereas I imagine in Scarlet Nexus, most of the time, most of the dialogue takes place while you're, like, out on the battlefield and it's, like, those intersecting parts where, like, a boss happens and then you have the, like... The performance review of the boss and all of the, uh, you know, the characters talking to each other like, God damn, that was a tough battle, wasn't it, friend? But at least you're my friend. We'll get through this together. Like those moments. Right?
1: I'll give you an example. I chose Kasane, which is the girl you get to this, the guy and the girl. And I picked the girl because I played both the intros and hers seemed way more interesting. But as soon as you get out of like the first area. All of a sudden, she becomes this character that's obsessed with her. She's adopted. like Her sister, she calls her 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 older sister. Obsessed. And her older sister likes the guy that you play. And she's become obsessed with just figuring out if the guy is good enough for her older sister. (laughs) Like literally, two hours go by and she's literally talking about it constantly. It's like part of like the story, (laughs) not just some side thing. And I'm just like, wait, when is this going to get good? And when something drastic happened, uh, that's when that part ended. But like now I understand, like, yeah, they stretched that part for two hours while you were learning the game and introducing characters. Like, it's just why? You could have just let them not talk. It could have just been a boring section. I would have rather them have a boring section. Oh, great. It brings down the story when it has useless dialogue like that. You know? Anyways. But yeah, that's Scarlet Nexus.
0: So how is the battle system then? I mean, if it's not platinum level, is it like good still? Because platinum is like the top tier,
1: right? The dodging should absolutely be better to actually use it. Because when you start attacking… When you press B to dodge, it doesn't activate immediately. You're waiting a sec or you're stuck in the animation. I don't know how to cancel the animation. Maybe there might be some way. But games like that, you're in a combo and you can't dodge mid-combo. It sucks. (laughs) It sucks because you're going to get hit. You see the, the enemy about to hit you. You're like, okay, they're winding up for an attack. Let me press B. You don't dodge in time, so you get hit. You get hit a lot. What it makes you do is basically preemptively just stop attacking and wait for the attack and dodge and attack and you just kind of have to learn the animations and just like okay it's gonna attack now the enemies are cool the combat is actually pretty good for the most part pretty much because it's basic but also has a lot of like moving parts that you can do. You can borrow powers. You have this super mode that automatically activates, which kind of sucks, but it comes back quick. When you're attacking enemies or getting hit, you get into brain mode and you have that little face mask come on and you can move faster and attack faster. That's
0: what George does every time he makes a video. Gets into brain mode. Attack the aliens.
1: You can, for instance, one of your guys has telekinesis and you can grab like water. Right? And splash it on the enemies, and then activate your friend's ability and attack them and do more damage than stun them because you had them wet. It's the same for everything else oil and fire. There's one that immunes you from damage. So when an enemy is about to do something that you cannot dodge, you can activate that real quick and you not get hurt for that like split second. Yeah, there's like a lot of a lot of stuff like that, which is kind of good. Why most people would be playing that other than the story getting better after the fourth hour. <laughs> but yeah, it's a decent combat. And you're in the cybernetic world. I mean, uh, cyberpunk world. And sometimes that's all people need, right? It's, it's the same thing with Ender Lilies, right? All you need is to play as a little girl with JoJo references all over the place, right?
0: Why not? So that's all anybody needs.
1: Why did I even start playing this game?
0: (laughs) Well, that ended pretty badly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just you got minutes out of it. Because I I feel like playing it. Why do I feel like playing it? I can't
0: describe. Yeah, I had that weird feeling last week. I was going to ask you if you were going to play it. It did feel like a not necessarily a Mac game, but a game that you would give a try, right?
1: I mean, because it's cyberpunk, right? Cyberpunk anime seems interesting.
0: Do you remember they were going to make a cyberpunk anime? I wonder if they're still going to do that.
1: I was hoping for a little dot hack, you know? Mm. A little dot hack in Scarlet Nexus. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, I still remember the music from that anime. That's Scarlet Nexus, guys. That's, I don't know if it was worth all that time we just spent on it, but that's Scarlet Nexus. What have you guys been doing? George, what have you done? Apart from replaying
2: Cruelty Squad. Um, replayed through Half a Cruelty Squad. The later game unlocks a Cruelty Squad just straight up. Break it like like you're flying through levels compared to uh, your first one through. And I really like the game. Like to the point it might... Metal Gear? I don't know if it's Metal Gear. It's definitely less entry level. You know, you're not going to remember it as, as one of the all-time greats, but over the course of the whole year, I could see it becoming a game of the year contender. really smart level design all the way through until the very end, like even the last level has a pretty disappointing final boss, but the level design leaving up to it is a fourth wall breaking insane meta twist where explaining the joke behind the whole level, which is a joke, would spoil the joke of a level that finishes this shitpost of a game. Yeah, I really like Cruelty Squad. I'm working on a video on Cruelty Squad. Still spent most of my gaming time this week playing and unlocking extra stuff in Cruelty Squad. It is a game where you have entirely optional secret levels to unlock. That doesn't happen often these days. One of the levels requires you to play the game in a 640 by 480 resolution to unlock. Why? It's part of the, like nostalgic in-universe meta trash joke about it calling back to Deus Ex from 1999. There is a certain area of a certain level early on where a door that is locked just becomes unlocked when you change the resolution to the lowest one on the list. And you can't even read the text in that resolution.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a shit post. I, I like it.
2: It's a great game. Some people in the Discord have started playing it, and and some have said that the music gives them a headache. I don't want to say that that's not the way it's intended to be played, but I'm definitely glad to see more people take the dive and try it out. I think Cruelty Squad's aesthetic trashiness is intentional. I think it was done by someone who was very deliberately going down the list of rules they teach you in art school and very deliberately breaking them. The aggressive elements of aesthetic are still employed in a way that makes a kind of sense. The big life meter that takes up an eighth of your screen, that's just a chunk of blobby green goo that says life on it with a number, is specifically designed to do what specifically what you don't want a life meter to do, which is be readable and obvious, but in a corner of the screen and in a coloring and and transparency and shaping scheme that aren't gonna crowd the screen and and take up other elements. It's uh, funny. The life meter is funny because of of all the the aesthetic rules it's breaking. I think there is a method to the madness. I think there is a elegance to the incredibly garish messy trashiness of it all that more people are becoming aware of and that's great to see and it's real fun.
0: It does sound fun. I just don't know if I can get over the aesthetics. As mentioned last week, I tried to watch someone play it and it gave me a headache pretty much.
2: I don't feel as headachey when I I'm sitting down with it in front of my face as I do when I do look at some screenshots from a distance. And I think it's because when the whole game is blown up to you at like 1440p, covering the whole monitor with your face right up in front of it, you don't have to have the whole garbage full going into your eyes at one time. (laughs) (laughs) Like the outline around the screen, the life meter, are big, huge chunks On a low-resolution screen, this art style would not work. On a high-resolution screen, where you have so much space to put so many little blips and blobs of garbage all over the screen, they might be able to get away with it better than otherwise.
1: Cruelty Squad! Hell yeah! I really want to know about the aliens, George. The aliens, huh? I missed this Discord hangout.
2: I've been following the aliens real close. There was a big... Once in a lifetime televised event. Oh my God! Brought to you by your friends at TMZ on your local station's Fox affiliate. They did a Geraldo Rivera opening Al Capone safe style multi-hour-long telethon on June 29th and 30th on the Fox and Discovery channels. It was the stupidest thing a lot of people in this Discord have seen in their lives. And it was a reminder that a lot of them don't live in America and don't know what American television is like and did not know that that's how bad it really was. So to answer an earlier question regarding what's happening with the aliens, the report came and went and it didn't have... Very dramatic information in it. But that didn't stop the television industry from being really dramatic about it. And they had some normie programming where they were summarizing up the story so far for your normie aunt and uncle who don't live on the internet. And need some context re to them as to why the little white pixels floating around in the sky are more spooky in this video compared to others. It was half an hour of one to five minute long segments broken up by one to five minute long commercial breaks and the segments would hype you up for what's going to happen after the next commercial break which would only lead into another segment of show that just hypes you up for the next commercial break afterwards and there was no it was all for the fun of laugh at silly bad american television i was not expecting how hard that would hit a lot of international viewers
0: I mean, your TV is batshit, right? Like, it's batshit crazy. And I tuned in. Nobody noticed. I tuned in for 10
2: minutes to watch you. (laughs) And it was just nonsense. (laughs) Is there like a video that I could see? It was incredibly dramatic nonsense.
0: I don't know if you need... You don't need to see, Matt. You don't need to watch this nonsense.
2: We don't have to make vods of a discord watch party but basically imagine the camera swooping across the face of a paranormal documentary filmmaker with a little goatee beard looking very intensely at the camera as the announcer says something like jeremy corbell is a minsa certified phd mega genius with four degrees in ufology he's here revealing a shocking new unreleased footage of UFOs clearly seen off the side of the USS Battle George Carrier Group and then it'll show a blurry video of four dots kind of kind of bopping around the camera. You can't tell if the dots are moving or if the camera is moving because that's how jittery the work is. And he's dancing across his couch on the set, pointing at the dots going, no, this craft was being followed by a seaman who was pent up for six hours out at post when he noticed the top dot descend to an altitude of 40 feet hovering above the waterline before it mysteriously disappears again next to this next orb, which you you'll notice has anti-collision lights turned on to a strobe effect. Now, why would they want to not collide with our craft And then it'll cut to George Knapp, who will be like, like asking the question, did they think that going to the military would establish contact with the rest of us? And then it'll cut to the TMZ announcer who will say, wow, guys, that truly was something. After this connects commercial break, I have a lot of questions to ask you. And then it will cut to a commercial break. And then when you get back in five minutes after the commercial break, he's not even asking the questions he was teasing. I'm so glad I didn't stick around for it. Imagine that, but with a Discord channel full of gamers laughing at it.
0: That part I can stick around
2: for. Flipped on and off, depending on the, the commercial break. But yeah, it was funny at first. And then later on, as the hour went on, you could tell the European listeners were starting to genuinely get annoyed with the commercials. I was
0: kind of wondering, where did you watch it from?
2: Curiosity Stream. You can stream the local Fox affiliates through your ISP.
0: I was going to say, like, I was wondering how much trouble you'd get in for
2: (laughs) essentially streaming a TV
0: channel out to people through it. I think I uh, am small enough to fit through the cracks. Mm, I don't know. The famed Super Bunny Hop. Who knows?
1: Is the Valve Index really $500 now? Is that what
2: the aliens told you to say? To sway the conversation away? (laughs) I think you could buy the headset by itself for $500. Is this breaking news, like, live on air? I didn't hear about this. Valve indexes for 500... What? Or is it just the replacement
1: headset? Oh, it's just a headset. You don't get the controllers, base stations. or the base. Oh,
2: headset. no. You get everything else. Oh, no, not the controllers without their base stations. Whatever will you do without those? We had a uh, really hilarious, fun, good, clean, wholesome Discord watch party for the TMZ UFO Declassified Alien Report. I can't believe some of the things you'll get your fans to do. I wanted to have a watch party over a hearing, but they didn't have a hearing. It would have been even better to have a channel full of gamers laughing at politicians asking questions in a Capitol building, but this literally was the next best thing. I mean, I wanted to have something to book in the alien month. Can I
0: preach a little bit about one of the best games of last year that I didn't get around
2: to play until now? Absolutely. That's the way we do it here. Clubhouse Games Fifty One. Clubhouse Games 51. Now, why does this sound like a handheld device that I would see infomercials for in the late 90s?
0: It does sound like that, doesn't it, right? Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics for the Nintendo Switch. This is a grandpa
2: game. You want to applaud the grandpa games? I mean, they're classic, you know, like Checkers Go.
0: Right. This game has shot up our tier list. So Friday nights, usually hang out with a couple of friends who make games with, you know, we sit around a Nintendo Switch, having a few beers, and usually we play Smash or Mario Party or Mario Kart. Most recently we played Mario Golf and dropped that very quickly after the motion controls bore out. But I tell you one thing that stuck for months now, and I didn't realize quite until recently just how much I adore it, it is Clubhouse Games, 51 worldwide classics that were released last year.
1: Oh, Moncala.
0: It's amazing, right? It has so many of those games, right? I don't know what Clubhouse Games means, but old people games, right? You go to your grandma's, you go to your grandpa's, there's no video games, right?
1: It's the country club.
0: It's the country club, right? But it's the old country club. They, they can't swing golf clubs anymore. They're a bit too old, right? But they can move chess pieces or they can play connect 4 or they can play Mahjong or they could play like table tennis or something, right? Yeah. But it's all those types of games, right? Card games, board games, like little piece games like Ludo and uh, billiards and stuff like that, right? And it has all of these incredibly well Polished mini game versions of those, right? Chess, it's full chess, but the renders of the chessboard and the chess pieces and the polish is all very Nintendo, right? It's very, very Nintendo and it's beautiful.
2: This is the cutest.
0: It's absolutely wonderful. I've never really heard of Agenda before, but you know, it's got that very Nintendo touch to it, right? I think the people who made it were Andy Cube, so they're like a spinoff of Nintendo, right?
2: So it's like second party.
0: Yeah, but it is a you know a sequel in spirit to that DS game back in the day. But imagine right being drunk and you played loads games and you're just like, I know we're gonna play this weird hexagon game where you have two blue lines and two red lines and this giant trapeze, and all you have to do is lay down pieces and try and connect the line to the other side, and it becomes so intense. Specifically, so they have all those types of games, but then they have what is by far the weirdest thing, right? So it's a video game, so it could be anything it wants, right?
2: It doesn't just have to be a clubhouse game.
0: No, it doesn't just have to be a clubhouse game, but it has tennis, soccer, baseball, golf, and pool, right? But they're not the versions of those games you're thinking of. They are like replica toys, of those games. It's so hard for me to describe. You know like a sock Sockin' Robots, right? You could have boxing, but no. This game's like, we'll have boxing, but it'll be rock sock Sockin' Robots versions. And instead of soccer, we'll have like table soccer, where you spin like paddles.
2: Oh yeah, the little twisty boys. Yeah, the
0: little twisty ones, right? And instead of baseball, we'll have one that is like where you fire like a pinball ball towards a bat and you just press a button and then you hit this bat. Now, the problem is they're all multiplayer and you can all play with your friends. And what has become quite intense in competition is a couple of them. So we have the baseball one where we've been playing multiplayer versions of that. And it's so hard to score a batting point, right? like a home run or even get like just a, a point. It went on for weeks where we'd consistently <laughs> draw. We'd just draw. It'd be nil-nil, zero-zero, because everyone would get the other people out by throwing this pinball at people. And then the one moment when myself and Ariokusan, my friend, won and we beat the other team, it was like we just won the World Cup because we didn't think it had to happen. We'd been drawing for so long. It was so intense and ecstatic. Nobody wanted to lose And it was just pandemonium. So there was that, and that was wonderful. And there was then the slot cars so they have slot cars and it's like the yakuza minigames, right all you do is literally push the analog stick in a direction but if you push it too much you'll spin off the track so you gotta watch it it's like um it's like trying to like balance something because the polish is so it's just uh, it's got that nintendo touch to it that you don't expect and all of these games are really beautiful the renders of all of the boards and everything are gorgeous everything plays and moves really well the ui is beautiful man i love it I We get so excited every Friday now to play this dumb frickin' minigame spread.
2: (laughs) Would you say that these are some of the best renders of chess pieces that the game industry has yet to create?
0: I've got to admit, I'd like to see people show me some examples of better. Honestly, look at some videos of this thing in motion, right? Like, it looks like almost like you're watching other people play, but you have control over them. Like, they are gorgeous little renders. I think it's a really underrated little thing. Like if you had, you know, people in your house that you played games with and you were looking for something else that wasn't like Mario Party, but it was just as accessible and just as easy and you could actually get into some pretty intense competition because, you know, these games are games that have been around since the turn of time, right? Chess, Makala, Reversal, Shogi, Checkers, you know, proper games that take skill, not like Mario Party where, you know, you get fucked by RNG, These are proper games that you can get good at and you can have some pretty healthy, intense competitions. And there's some really fun games that you might not know about, like Dots and Boxes, where you literally just draw lines and try to create boxes. It's so intense when you were closing in on filling a box and your opponent knows that if you draw one wrong line, you're going to draw all the boxes. It's pretty crazy how good and intense the game can be when you're playing multiplayer. It's great. It's easily one of my favorite games in a long time. I wouldn't say play it single player, you know? If you have friends and stuff, that's really where you want to be playing it.
2: He came up from nothing and redefined the American dream. You thought it was over.
1: But it's
0: not over until Tony says it's over. Taking time out of my busy clubhouse schedule, I'm here to listen to George tell us about a brand new Nintendo
2: Switch. Oh my god, this is like just in, within the hour we started recording. Nintendo has announced a new Nintendo Switch model with a 7-inch OLED screen. And right off the top of the bat, I'm going to assume that this might be what the rumors Switch Pro was pointing at with its... 7-inch OLED screen, but the rub here is that there's no performance
1: gains, are there? Nope. Nope. Uh, (laughs) Nope. Nope. It has enhanced audio, though. It has enhanced audio.
2: And enhanced audio. Yeah, they put enhanced audio in quotes from the system's internal speakers. I could see how that would be.
1: Well, I mean, Nintendo does everything right, so... When they say enhanced audio, I believe it. When they say that your old controllers are
2: compatible with this, I might as well believe it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go on a limb and say I think this is what they want to replace the current Switch and be the standard model. You know how like the Slims and the Pros of the previous generations sort of overtook. I think with the Switch, I think this is the new standard model I think maybe the Pro might come, but I actually think the Pro will probably come in the version of a Switch 2 because we're, what, four years down the line now. I don't think it's disappointing because OLED is amazing. I still remember my OLED Vita being like the sexiest thing on the planet at the time. So an OLED 7-inch Switch with a dock that has the LAN capabilities and also has like this funky little light that tells you it's on.
2: Uh, I don't know. And also, I just like not having to worry about having to buy a new Switch Pro at the moment. There's always been rumors of a Switch Pro... But there were very specific rumors this year of a Switch Pro being announced around E3 time with the 7-inch OLED screen and some games announced during E3 that looked like they might look a little too pretty for the Switch regular old edition. I guess, should we be assuage? Should I keep worrying? Or can I put my fears aside and maybe not have to worry that whatever cutting-edge Switch game announced is something that's not going to play better on the Switch Pro?
0: No. So, I mean, we might as well stop calling it Switch Pro because it's not really a Pro, is it? It's just a new Switch up there.
2: If it's not, yeah, it might be time.
0: At this point, it's pretty clear. It's still 1920 by 1080 and then 720p when you... Beautiful. So, but it's all that 7-inch. In the docked form, the only upgrade you're getting is that LAN cable. Oh, okay, that's something.
1: I mean, the dock looks better, though.
0: Yeah, the dock does look better. I think I almost Nintendo gave it away. The dock that they were showing off, like, you know, the game that they were showing off at the beginning was Metroid Dread. Like, it's a 3D, 2D side-scroller, right? It's not the most graphically intensive game. So I think on purpose, they're trying to push it as the next thing. I think you, they were starting to show Breath of the Wild 2 on it and stuff like that. I think people might ask questions, but I think I'm probably going to get it because I didn't get the light. I was happy with the normal model. My normal model is starting to get a little bit hot, and make some noise
1: the controls are starting to die on you for some reason, yeah.
0: My originals did. I had to buy extra Joy-Cons about two years ago, the Halloween-y looking ones. But I do like OLED screens, and I do like 7-inch screens, so I think I'll probably pick it up.
1: 7 inches, huh?
2: Hey. So for further clarification on how not the Nintendo Switch Pro this is, it is on the tech spec sheet called Nintendo Switch OLED model. That's the jump we're looking at. Not not that big a leap. And then it'll eventually it'll just
0: become
1: this switch. Regular. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah, regular switch. The standard switch is 6.2.
0: It's weird because it'll be one of those things that doesn't sound so big, but then when you have it in your hands, you'll be like,
1: oh wow. I mean the OLED. That's all really, that's all it needs right there. Is the OLED. And it's gonna look good with just that.
0: What is the light? What size is the light? Because how much is the difference between the light and the regular Switch model? Because that was really
2: significantly noticeable when I held the light. 8.2 inches long. That can't be the screen. No. That's bigger than the OLED
0: screen.
1: Big daddy.
0: That's just matte size. 5.5. <laughs> 5.5. Okay, that's significantly smaller.
1: That's average. Is it as crisp as
0: uh, OLED, though, Matt?
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And all the women left. (laughs) They were never here. They've been gone. (laughs) It's just a bunch of dudes listening to this
2: podcast.
0: Going, yeah, I agree, man. Wait, average?
2: (laughs) 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 So the rumors of a Nintendo Switch Pro are something that kind of just hovers around the Nintendo Switch larger cultural world in general. Ever since this thing's been launched, I feel like starting a year and a half in, there were always rumors that they were coming up with the cusp of a Nintendo Switch Launch Pro model. There's also always rumors for as long as we will live until we will die. These might go on longer than rumors of a Nintendo Switch Pro. But rumors of Konami going back to Silent Hill and making new Silent Hill games are rearing their head yet again this week. Two weeks earlier, we very briefly mentioned it on with Schreier. There was a, a conspiracy theory going on where a blue box game studio was potentially being rumored to make a new Silent Hill game. This week, the rumors are around Bloober Team, who Konami has acquired. They made the horror games, Layers of Fear, and The Blair Witch Project, and The Medium. And now they have been acquired by Konami, surprisingly. Who would have thought bad team practices go together
0: with bad Team Practices. Wow. Who would have thunk it? The people who tried to trademark a fucking game feature in their game are now with Konami.
1: Notorious shitlords as well. Who'd have thunk it? We got a little sandwich going on there. Blair Witch. Eh. Layers of Fear. Not bad. Then the medium. (laughs) So you know these guys tried to
0: trademark their way of the mediums like split screen.
1: I think I remember, yeah. I played a little bit of it when I was on Xbox Game Pass. Such shithousery. There's nothing new that they're doing and it's so stupid. Does this
0: get you excited, George? Do you feel like the blue block stuff is over and done with now?
2: The Blue Box stuff is over and done with. Now it's onto Bluebird Team, and we're going to be talking about Blue Point in a little while. I think that when it comes to acquiring blue things and potentially remaking Silent Hill on them, I have to wonder how many years is it going to be before Silent Hill's finally old guys? It seems ridiculous to be asking for sequels for video game franchises so many years after they've been very clearly put to bed. I would not hedge your hopes on. That being the case here. Why not something new? Because I guess they'd have easy money to make with an already established fan base ready to go, regardless of how well quality hits. So they're incentivized to uh, milk old IPs. But video game fan bases always... They have such a large quantity of demand for 20, 30-year-old franchises that have not been at the cutting edge of things for for long enough for a next generation of things to take things over? Why not something new? Because Konami have IPs, and
0: that's all they can do with it. They have IPs. That's what makes them money. So hiring there, rather than paying development costs for your own studios that you've got to keep running every single month, contract based on your IPs. Blooper team probably wants to you know, license that IP. Win-win for Konami, really, if it works out.
2: There was also the speculation that Abandoned by Blue Box teams was going to be an elaborate pitch for a Silent Hill game.
0: I get it, because I have, you know, it has crossed my mind to pitch. Thankfully, it is not unfeasible to pitch to Nintendo here in Kyoto about stuff. And, you know, the idea and the... Almost the bragging rights of being able to work on a giant IP, right? Or like, a you know, killer IP and bring it back. You know, stuff like Silent Hill has not been around for so long, right? People forget that Silent Hill towards the end, like,
2: <laughs> wasn't doing so great as a series. There was a lot of duds in that. Yeah, the complaint was they were shopping it out to all these Western nobody developers yeah. who came in from nowhere and didn't know what they were doing with the brand. So why would you want that again with the blooper team?
0: Yeah, you've already had people like Sam Barlow, who literally went on to make like her story and, you know, that other POV camera game or whatever it was about, right? You've already had people with incredible storytelling prowess work on Silent Hill games,
2: and nothing really came of them. Those are not the well-remembered Silent Hill games. The first four or so were what you want to be trying to recapture again, and that's not what you'd get out of Bloober team.
1: Maybe everyone's feeling that games have started to suck. And they just want some nostalgia, you know? Just want some nostalgia. When it comes to
2: horror games, there's so many exciting new concepts you can try out with VR that, of course, I was going to say that. I know it's a cliche,
1: isn't it? Yeah, it would be amazing. Because VR horror is a step above. (laughs) (laughs) Super fucking creepy. Just with sound. No thanks. Yeah, it's. If the one good
2: concept for a Silent Hill game. That, that's been shopped around in the past 10 years actually gets made and it's pt by kojima's team then it's going to be more like kojima horror it doesn't have to be silent hill it's going to have weird fourth wall breaks that's going to lean heavier on than the usual like the name silent hill basically means konami making a competing horror game against capcoms it's a town in the pacific northwest you could make lots of horror games they don't have to be called silent hill guys.
0: Yes, but if it is called Silent Hill, it will sell a lot. That is the difference to Konami. We're forgetting what Konami care about these days, and it's a whole heap of nothing but money.
2: <laughs> Which is also why I wouldn't get your hopes too far high up here.
1: Got a lot of those pachinko machines that Konami has.
2: Yep. I wonder what will be causing fans to think there is a Silent Hill remake next week. Last year, there were some rumors floating around among a couple of YouTube channels, but not among traditional game journalists. There were rumors floating around that... Sony may be working on a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake for the PlayStation 5 by Bluepoint Studios. I feel like those rumors might be a wee bit more corroborated now because Sony is supposedly acquiring Bluepoint software along with a whole a bunch of others this first week of July. So Demon Souls guys, right? Housemarquee and Nix's software. The acquisition of Bluepoint is technically a leak at this current moment of news. It showed up with some artwork that they released alongside the other acquisitions. I don't think it's official. Yeah,
0: I don't think it's official, but yeah. How did someone get to that point to make the artwork without it happening at some point? Unless they just made an honest mistake, but I think it was Sony Japan, right? Yeah. Who don't necessarily deal with Bluepoint that often...
2: But Bluepoint has totally been a big feather in Sony's cap over the past few years. Heck yeah, they have. They did the quite good Shadow of the Colossus remake.
0: Did the very good Demon Souls
2: remake. Mm-hmm. They've done a
0: lot of good stuff.
2: Oh, they did PlayStation Battle Royale ports for those back in the day. Oh, and the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection—that was a big second-party project for Sony too.
0: I think the House Monkey one makes a lot of sense. Right, House Monkey are not going to step down from the size of games they're making now after making Returnal. You know, one of the only studios that have been open that. Our business model was not going to work anymore. We can't make these small arcade games. We are too large in size. So then they took a risk to make a return or it paid off for Sony. And then it just made sense to be like, well, if this team are looking for money at certain project sizes, let's say 25 million or something beyond that, 25 to 50 million, I would imagine, you know, the style games are going to cost from now on. It makes sense for Sony to just snap that up. I mean, Marquis are obviously a very talented studio. So... And Returnal must have sold well if Sony were willing to bet the farm on it. So they bought Insomniac for about 225000000 million. I'm going to imagine House Marquee is probably at least half that, maybe a little less. Some good financial stability for them. That's good. I'm sorry, what was the number you tossed out? When Sony bought Insomniac? No, House Marquee. I imagine Returnal probably cost somewhere in the region of $25 million, all in told.
2: Okay, yeah. I was wondering, because it looks expensive. I mean, yeah, it is. It doesn't look like a low baller.
0: No. No, no, no. House Marquee are not small
2: anymore. All of these acquisitions that they've made do make a lot of sense. Both House Marquee and Bluepoint were very steeped in the Sony ecosystem. For those who don't know, before they made Returnal, Marquee did Rezogun, Super Stardust. Super Stardust HD. What was it?
0: Next Machina? I, I can't remember what it was called.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was on Windows and PS4. But both developers have a long list of hits that lean more heavily on the Sony side of things. They're not exactly outsiders to the brand.
0: It makes a lot of sense. You know... Resogun was a PS4 release title. Super Stardust HD was like a PSP title. And then I think they had Superstardust Stardust Delta was like a PlayStation Vita launch title. And now, you know, Returnal is one of the first big PlayStation 5 titles.
2: Along with whatever Bluepoint could possibly be working on too. Ooh. A remake of... Bloodborne, (laughs) please.
0: Sure, that works too. (laughs) A remake of Final Fantasy VI, why not? Oh
2: boy, yeah, I guess we're going to start entering into a period of history where every single news and speculation is going to be, oh, that's proof that they're working on the Bloodborne remakes. Yeah. (laughs) It's Silent Hill, Kojima stuff right now. It'll be Bloodborne in a few months to a year, won't it? Of course. Of course. Of course. You know, not a very exciting news week compared to last week, at least. Can't win them all. I just want to very, very quickly say that Todd Howard promises Elder Scrolls 6 is still in development. He just says it's still in the design phase. Doesn't surprise me. How does that not surprise you? Skyrim came out almost 10 years ago. I've never seen a sequel. I don't want to say like lag that long. They
0: made Fallout 76. They're working on Starfield, which has been in development for a long time. And also Fallout 4 made a load of money, so they didn't need to worry about it. Then they got purchased. They're also, you know, helping out with some of the Dishonored franchises. I'm not surprised at all. I imagine Skyrim was a ball of a giant project that just kept going on and on and on. It's always hard to close the door on those things.
2: And during the gaps going from... Morrowind to Oblivion to Skyrim, you didn't have those additional projects as well. You're going to see bigger gaps, I think, between these types of projects. It's absolutely a weird gap. Like Elder Scrolls 6 still in design phase, says Todd Howard, is not... I imagine when he means design
0: phase, I mean like coming to the end of pre-production probably.
2: That's still insane.
0: Well, do you want it right now? Starfield is next.
2: But... It's still, I don't know if that's like the right follow-up question. It is insane that a franchise has been going on for over 20 years and has been that top-loaded with the first decade.
0: A person I work with is 23 years old, and I was like, oh my god, you were 12 when Skyrim came out.
2: He could have been working on Elder Scrolls Six that whole time. That's crazy. No, I imagine Elder Scrolls 6
0: didn't kick in until a while ago. Not years ago, but maybe a couple,
2: maybe two, three. They first showed a teaser trailer, I think, in 2018, didn't they? Yeah, they did, yeah. Just it was pre viz though. Just four years after the teaser. Anyways, anyways. Give us the gospel, George. I can't believe you don't think it's weird, that Elder Scrolls 6 is still in the design phase, says Todd Howard. I know I am aware that they didn't have the game lying around for 10 years with nothing else to do in the meantime. I know they're bigger and more expensive than usual, but it seems comical. I love the things you get angry over. I don't know if I'm angry. I just, I'd rather them not say anything at all and just oh god oh god and now my phone's blowing up (laughs) it's todd todd is here it's todd with the chair
1: (laughs) oh no (laughs) it's todd with
0: the chair That's his theme music. It's the <laughs> Dovakin theme.
2: <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do if it's seriously supposed to be normal for a game to take 10 years to make a sequel out of. And how they expect to keep the momentum of a franchise going and make it so Say that... Say that to GTA, dude. Come on. I mean, it happens. Isn't it actually a very important question to be asking? Hasn't it always been the question? Like, guys, isn't this too expensive and unsustainable? But
0: it's not unsustainable because when they come out, they make buckets of money for years now. Skyrim has made so much money in the 10 years since it released that they don't need to make another Elder Scrolls, I think is what you're kind of missing, right? Like they
1: don't need to. People just keep handing them money.
0: When the next one comes out, you will have the money again. When the new one comes out, you'll do it for the next 10 years as well.
2: How do you keep track of a project over 10 years? Over the course of 10 years, the engine's going to change, the hardware's going to change, the market's going to change, the art's going to change, the trends going through pop culture are going to change.
1: But Fezla can't do the same thing.
2: That's why they take such a long time, because you're almost rebooting internally multiple
0: times, right? I think if you look at Starfield, that trailer, right, and you probably see some of the early visions of Starfield. Starfield's been in the works for what, like six, seven years at least? So you look at that trailer and you're like, okay, you know, it will have got to a point where they're like, okay, we know what we want to make, but we have to scrap everything technical because we have to build this new engine. That probably also factors into it, like building a new engine and everything. So there's a lot of moving parts in a place like that. Even making decisions at studios like that is hard enough and takes a long time. So, yeah, doesn't surprise me.
2: (laughs) I'm sure it will be good when it comes out. And I know why they take long. And I know why it does not surprise you. But damn, I wonder what it would be like to be a kid trying to catch up with the Elder Scrolls games. Well, you've got loads of time. You do, but I mean, we were kids playing through the Elder Scrolls games as they came out. And between Arita and Daggerfall, there was like a couple years. Between Daggerfall and Morrowind, there was a half decade. Between Morrowind and Oblivion, there were a couple years. Between Oblivion and Skyrim, there was a half decade. The decade-long jump, that is unusual. That's weird. It's brave. It's bold, Cotton. It might not surprise you, but I wonder if it's going to play out for them. Well, we'll see, won't it?
0: Starfield will come out, sell bajillions, and then they'll release that one. That's more
2: of a gamble.
0: No, it's a Bethesda game backed by Microsoft. I'm
2: sure it'll sell 10 million. And Anthem was a Bioware game backed by EA. And...
0: Yeah, but we all saw the writing on the wall on that one for a long time, didn't we?
2: Well, that's like retrospect that you could just say for like all sorts of projects.
0: Starfield will come out on Game Pass as well and be free for most people, and it still won't dent how long the long-term sales of that project is. Because also, for Bethesda, they now have the backing and support of an entire company, so they don't even need to.
2: But anyway, that's enough of that. Dude, it's insane that it takes 10 years.
0: Well, you all want better games, and this is what happens.
2: I want shorter games made by smaller teams with worse graphics.
0: Well, thankfully, some of us are doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I don't think that the children demanding better graphics are like...
0: Look at, what is it? The freaking computer law, right? Computers get better and faster all the time. Games is software. Games are software. They're going to do that. They're going to take advantage of Unreal and all these kind of things. And this is what's going to happen. And then you'll reach singularity and you'll live inside of your game. And then you'll never be able to play another game because you'll be stuck in that game forever. Sword Art Online style. I just can't
2: get over how crushing. God damn it, George, get onto the question. 10 years for a AAA project that's a sequel, the bar they had previously tried to set.
1: This podcast has been let's just move on, let's just tear it out, you know, rip off the band aid. I think it's been fun. 10 fucking years. Oh
0: my God. Oh my, oh my God. God. It's been 10 years since you started this conversation.
2: Working on one project for 10 years. I
0: worked on it on a project for four years. I know how they feel. It sucks. Multiply that by 2.33. I'm not going to get into the intricacies, but it will have been like a genesis somewhere that would have formulated over time. You know, they've had enough projects
2: that. Not everybody will have been working on it for so long. Can you imagine if it turns out bad and you've been working on it for 10 years? Retry his books and you'll find out all about that kind of garbage. How the hell do they expect to make Elder Scrolls 7 if Elder Scrolls 6 is going to take 10 years? Imagine working on MMOs and stuff. Hey Liam, what's your favorite pre-rendered video game opening? Oh,
0: I miss the days of old pre-rendered opening cutscenes. An older one, I really like the Final Fantasy X-2, like, dance pop opening. I love that one. In more recent times, The Witcher 3 stuff, I enjoyed. But uh, I think, yeah, the one that always stuck out to me as a kid on PS2 was how good Square Enix could do. So probably the X-2 one, just because I was super attracted to, of course, like Riku. and Oh. And then
2: that, that was stated very. It was
0: a great scene, though. It was awesome. Any game that you like see fight scenes and you're like, oh my
2: God, this is like a movie.
0: Oh my God. Like, you know, Final Fantasy VIII's opening. I don't know. What about you guys?
2: There was FF8, I said last week.
0: Oh, right. Nice. What did you say, Matt?
1: What did I say? I said, I remember mentioning the Final Fantasies.
0: Some of the World of Warcraft ones are fantastic
1: too. Oh, yeah. They're brilliant. For sure. It's going to be the old ones.
0: Yeah, because I mean, we don't use pre-rendered stuff anymore.
1: <laughs> when I was a kid and, you know, I just didn't know how anything was made. And I was just looking. I was like, "Whoa, this is so cool, blah, blah. I didn't care that it didn't look like that when I got inside the game or anything. Yeah. You no. Know.
0: Yeah, all the Final Fantasy ones are great. Final Fantasy XII has a really good one too. A lot of JRPGs had really good ones. Dragon Quest Eight—that's
1: what they're good at.
0: Dragon Quest Eleven has a really good opening. That is definitely not in Engine. The old Resident
2: Evils—they were good. Don't open that door.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: really
0: ugly-looking Leon jumping around in Resident Evil Two. So good. <laughs> It's so ugly.
2: I remember thinking that the Soul Calibur intro was pre-rendered up until you unlock the character swapper and replace... I love the opening of Street
0: Fighter 4 as well, like the smoke and trail ones with the... Indestructible... So good. <laughs>
2: Such a banger of a tune that they removed immediately in the next version of the game. So many people complained about it. I am crushed... By imagining a decade-long burden of labor and expectations. I... Smash Brothers Melee had a really good one too, where they were all like toys that came alive. Dude, if the Smash fans ever have to wait a whole decade, there's no way the game coming out's gonna be good enough for them. Oh, this is why they don't make Half-Life 3, and they're the way they just chose not to, because when you're waiting a decade for something, there's no way it can live up. I, oh, oh, God, that's horrible. I mean, you say that, but, like,
0: how long was it between Smash Wii U was 2014 and Brawl was 2007?
2: Yeah, I don't think. That's seven years. That's not a decade. There are very few series that have had the pressure build up for a decade.
0: I know. I worked
2: on one of them. What is the next question, George? Come on now. But The next question is, uh, what scene from an animated show, animated film, terrified you as a small child? I mean, Curse the Cowardly Dog was always,
0: always had those moments. So good. But yeah,
1: it's kind of freaky. Salad Fingers.
0: I was going to say web cartoons, right? Like, yeah, David Firth stuff. Salad Fingers and Burnt Face Man (laughs) and
1: stuff like that. Oh, my God. Man, it still gives me the creeps, man. I'm feeling
0: funny this morning. Maybe rolling
2: in this salt will even me out. (laughs) (laughs) Cheap Flash games. They were a viable artistic medium for expressing the experimentation of a game developer. Because they didn't take 10 years to make. I knew he was going to say that. Like a broken record. So much changes in a decade. And to think that, like, something doesn't, it's so depressing to think
0: about. And we're still talking about Konami four years later. (laughs) Yes.
1: I remember George's video. Oh, man. The fight against Konami. That was after
2: Skyrim and... And someone's been sitting around with their concept art for Elder Scrolls 6
1: for 10 years. That was a, like a way different George back then, dude. George had still had light in his eyes.
2: All your brain cells reproduce and replace each other. All the cells in your body are a different person. Over the course of 10 years, so much changes about the kind of art you want to make in the world. Oh, God.
1: So if you had a dress and drag as any video game character, who would you choose? And why is it Bayonetta?
2: But then how would I feel about <laughs> it 10 years later?
0: <laughs> when you look back at the pictures of you in the drag.
1: I don't have enough hair to do Bayonetta. You do on your face. don't you? You're almost there. You're like
0: bayonetta suit levels of beard, right? You could cover your body in your beard.
1: So it doesn't even get to my nipples. I need to at least get to my nipples. right? On
0: purpose? Why would you not show those things?
1: <laughs> There's plenty I would dress as. Oh, shit. Let's see. I'd be D.Va from Overwatch. That's pretty
0: cool. You could dress up in a Max Samus, and then I can wear a robot suit, technically.
1: I want something skimpy. Ooh. Yeah, I want curves. I want a curvy- You could
2: be Tifa, Matt.
1: Is that what you want? You want. <laughs>
2: Is that what I
0: want? Now that's a good question.
1: <laughs> you want curves, right, George?
0: That's
2: you.
1: Yeah, we all want curves. I think Ellie from Borderlands too. Okay, that's some curves right there. Do you, you guys have
0: no idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> Is that the one in the hat with like the makeup on her face? No,
1: no. I think that you're talking about Tiny Tina. Are
0: you no, about- no, 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 no. I'm talking like the circus jester looking the the like Oh Moxie. Moxie. Moxie, no, like- yeah. That's the one like everybody dresses up as, right? Like all the cosplayers.
1: Now, I'll do some
2: Moxie. Also, I just realized there's a way you can have curbs and still keep your manly bearded face covered up. You could dress as Link when he dresses up in drag. Oh yeah, everyone will be totally fooled. Well, they were. So Tali from Mass Effect is also a contender.
0: That's a lot of work,
2: though. You're all covered, so you won't...
0: Yeah, you gotta wear that suit, though, and stuff. Uh, I guess, yeah. The... Plus, you, you are not allowed to show your face.
2: The Gerudo link would accomplish the same effect, but, you know, for much... I said Samus.
0: You could... You, you dress up as Samus. Well, she's, like, all metal, like Tali. This is true. She has a bit more. Tali has just a... This skin tight suit man the thing is what's so weird and I think it speaks to part of the problem is that every character is so sexualized they are thinking like yeah oh what kind of short top am I going to be wearing what bra am I wearing oh my god it's like you can't even escape it
1: what's the portal girl chill so yeah there you
0: could that's a pretty good outfit
1: oh yeah those little space things yeah I'm trying to think of characters who have their heads covered <laughs> Do you want to cover your face, George?
2: I might want to cover my face if we're doing a drag act. You don't want to dress up as, like, Yuna from Final Fantasy X? No, because she's got her face out. She's got a great outfit, though. There are some Rainbow Six siege operators I might be able to pull off. Okay. Because they got the gas masks on, because they're big, scary police people. Hmm. Shodan from System Shock does not have a corporeal form.
1: (laughs) I want to see George's Martifa. I'm keeping the beard. That's fine. I'll do Cortana. Yeah.
2: You just gotta paint yourself. I wanna glow. Yeah, I'm just gonna glow. Just get naked and slather on some blue and black paint. Yeah. Go inside of a rave. Yeah. Get someone to spray paint some lines. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How hard can it be?
1: I don't think I got the thighs for Chun-Li, though. That's the only thing. I would I would definitely try some Chun-Li.
0: Oh, Amika from Street Fighter Five. Oh, doesn't she wear a mask? Yeah, she does. Only for her eyes,
2: though. Well, that's close, close enough. She has a dope suit, though. No one would ever tell that I'm a big, manly, hairy man if I've got a mask on. When
0: your ass is hanging out of that suit, maybe.
2: Uh, gotta keep the beard covered. Which is why I think I could do Garudu Link.
1: You do
0: Garudu Link. I'll do Orbosa. Wear a giant big red wig.
1: Next question.
2: <laughs> From our buddy Strat. Strat, if you could force one person to play one video game, who would you choose and which game would you force them to play and why?
1: Well, it would be George, obviously. Yeah,
2: it would be George, of course. What game?
0: Right now, Guilty Gear. Just so I can see you get mad.
2: Yeah, you don't have to go too far to, to see that in the first place, but I could go for some Guilty Gear.
0: Yeah, I think I'd, yeah,
1: that'd be simple. I would branch two worlds together. George doesn't finish anime, but also never tries anything long. Persona. If someone
2: had a gun to my head, I would like to finally put those things to bed. Hey, that rhymed, but... I was thinking you guys don't have any like celebrity choices or like famous models or actors. Why? I don't know. Why would you? Why would you though? Because I'm imagining love him or hate him. Elon Musk probably would be fun to force to play some video games with. But he probably already does. He's obviously a dweeb. Yeah. And a little crazy. <laughs> If you were to strap him down into something that is deliberately hard and does not give him the results he's going to want, like I think it would be fun to watch him try to play like Getting Over It. He's someone who supposedly knows how video games work, but someone who also supposedly whine and pound if things don't go his way immediately, and I feel like that would be a great way to pull the rug out from under him. Have
0: Elon Musk stream Wand of Gamelon.
2: Yeah, I would like to see more celebrities react to Wand of Gamalion. Like, finding out that those weird... Gamelon. <laughs> is it spelled Gamelion or Gamelon? It's Gamelon. Not that it's important. <laughs> It is Wand of Gamelon, yes. I have fact-checked. But yeah, any celebrity answers? Like, you know, rich asshole, I, I want to see him have a bad time. Did, did you guys have any hunches like that? Like see Vladimir Putin play Kill to drive. Okay, yeah. Plug politicians into fighting games. There's no problems we'd never be able to work out.
0: That's it, right? When you have trade disagreements, you solve them over a couple of rounds
2: on Salty Bat or something. Problem solved. For the rest of human history, we'll never have a conflict again. I'd absolutely love to watch Danny DeVito play some old, hard video games.
0: You know Danny DeVito already does that. He goes home and he cranks out like he's NES and he's like, yeah, fuck yeah, DuckTales. I'm going to play some DuckTales.
2: I would love to confirm because it's a great mental image That guy and old hard video games seem like they would go together like peas and cornbread, but we need confirmation. Otherwise, we're just going to keep guessing.
0: I would have liked to kick back with some beers and just played like Mario with like Chris Cornell. Cornell. That'd be great. I'll play rock band with him and have him sing, and I'll play guitar.
2: Chris Cornell. Which Chris was that again? It was the Chris Cornell who
0: was the lead singer of Soundgarden and Audio Slave.
1: <laughs> oh wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Died a couple of years ago. Audio Slave.
2: Okay, so you basically want to like get him to sing his angers and frustrations out.
0: No, he's literally like one of my favorite singers of all time. I would have loved to have just had some beers with him and have him take the mic on Rock Band. And I feel like getting one of your favorite singers to, to kick back with you and play Rock Band and them sing and you play the guitar and you just get to watch them do their thing, but you are hanging out with them.
2: Well, I, I was thinking that you were wanting to get competitive with him, like a multiplayer session.
0: No way, man. I want to kick back with one of my heroes and see him do his thing. Get him to do Jesus Christ pose by Sound God right in front of me.
1: I miss intimate venues with like artists, like big artists. I used to have like these secret tickets you can get here in California before COVID happened. Like just to be in a room like this will probably never happen. But like in a room with Adele, shit, that would be pretty fucking cool.
2: That would be cool. I'd force her to play Garfield card.
1: I'll let her, I'll just let her free ball (laughs) and just cry. (laughs) (laughs) That shit, this shit's good, man. That shit's good. Just to hear her voice playing Garfield Cart, like in front of you. Oh, man, that would have been so dope. I love music too much, man. Like, video games would not be on my mind at that point. (laughs) It would not be on my mind. I'll be like, just go, just do something. I'll buy you dinner. Shit. I think that's a good answer. Using it to hang
0: out with people, I think, would be good.
2: Yeah. I'd also really like to get the announcer from Unsolved Mysteries to read some text lines from Disco Elysium. Oh, George. Disco Elysium. (laughs) <laughs> You've woken up with a head full of intoxicating thoughts from a night spent drinking and listening to disco. What do you do? Do you put on pants or look in the mirror?
1: Another unsolved
2: mystery.
1: <laughs> I need to play that game again. The directors got. Uh, yeah, yeah. They got
2: more voice actors.
1: I don't remember some of it not being voice acted. I was just so into it that I just did not
0: care including one of the voice actors in the new game by the studio I just joined. Oh, really? Same voice actor. Their uh, VR snowboarding game they did. Mark Holcomb from Periphery. Is this Chuhai High Labs? It is indeed, yeah. They released a game called Cloud Snowboarding for the Oculus Rift. They had Mark Holcomb, who is, I don't know if you know about Periphery, the rock band. Very famous rock band. He's their guitarist. Well, he does voice acting for video games. So he also did Disco Elysium. And he's one of the guys in the director's camp.
2: Yeah. I just love that there's like a small seven degree separation with Chu Hai Labs in your own personal social circle there. Games
0: industry's small. Don't be a dick. That's the rule. Because <laughs> everyone knows you. <laughs> Is the truth.
2: Yeah. Well, oh, shit. <laughs> I guess that's our cue. Thank you for hanging out for two hours. Thanks for sticking through for people who have been around for this long into the episode and this long into the lifetime of the podcast. We promised to go for 10 years.
1: Oh. At least. Oh, right? At least 10 years. Oh my right?
2: oh, yeah. god.